This is the Fixer Upper Marriage Podcast, where each week we learn something new about love and marriage. Today we'll learn how to own your marriage, just like the moment when you sign the papers, get the keys, and take ownership of a property. You can take ownership of your own marriage. Be sure to visit fixerupermarriage.org to follow along with the show notes and enjoy additional content. So here it is, three ways to own your marriage, finding the property lines of your fixer-upper, part two. Song of Solomon, chapter two and verse 16. My beloved is mine and I am his. He feedeth among the lilies. My beloved is mine and I am his. Marriage is an amazing union that God designed to, first of all, to populate the earth. It makes a lot of sense, right, when God put Adam and Eve together, that it was to populate the earth. And then he also gave Adam this incredible companion that he so desperately needed. And it was also to spread the faith of God in him. You know what? As Adam walked with the Lord. It was God's intention for him to talk to the Lord and have that relationship with him. And as they brought children into this world, it was God's intent for them to pass that faith along to their children. And therefore, the whole world would be populated with people with faith in God. And that's what marriage is. It's about the gospel, really. It all boils down to the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the gospel that we give to our kids. And then it allows us, it enables us to do more together to spread the gospel. The moment you say your vows and exchange rings, this awesome transaction occurs. Two lives become one. As we are together and as we go through our honeymoon phase, we all have the the honeymoon phase, but after that phase is over, it's not sunshine and roses anymore. We start to deal with real life issues, don't we? And marriage is that way. We have to find the property lines in our marriage as we've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Property lines determine what you actually own. In my house, I told you we have these property lines. I've found these stakes before where this is where our property ends and our neighbors begins. And this is how I know this is what I own. If I want to do an addition to my house, I know this is my property. If I want to extend the driveway, I know this is my property. I can do that. And it even determines how far my dog can stray. Because when my dog goes in somebody else's property, now there's an issue with, with me because my dog could do damage to someone else's property. But it's good to know where those property lines are. You know, you know where you are legally responsible. I am legally responsible for the property that I own. And you have to establish ownership in your marriage Marriage is filled with property lines and boundaries that you have to find and respect. And a healthy marriage will have these lines marked clearly. But I want to talk about for a few minutes this morning, ways to own your marriage. I have three ways to own your marriage. Number one, take ownership of your problems. In Genesis chapter 3, in verse number 12, a story occurred that we're all familiar with. It's a story of Adam and Eve. And we know how they sin in the garden, but listen to what Adam responds to God in verse number 12. And the man said, the woman who thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. So we're all the way back in Genesis, all the way back in the beginning. And God said, Adam, why did you do this? And he said, the woman that you gave me, this wife that you gave me, 
it's her fault. She gave me of the fruit to eat. And he said, Eve, why did you do such a thing? And she said, well, it wasn't my fault. The devil made me do it. Isn't that what we like? Well, the devil made, made me do it. It's never our fault. We have these ownership problems. But take ownership of your problems. That's one way to own your marriage is to take ownership of your own problems. You are in control of you. No one makes you do anything. The choices you make have led you to the problems that you have in your life. Consider a couple of examples. Number one, the husband who blames his pornography addiction on his wife. Well, you know what? If you were right, if you were the right kind of wife to me, I wouldn't be having to look at that kind of stuff. But what's the reality is, is your own fault for getting yourself in that situation. The wife who blames her failure to have a submissive spirit on her husband. If you would just be the leader you're supposed to be, I would be a submissive wife like I'm supposed to be. No, that's not the way it works. You are the one that's responsible for your own actions. You can't blame it on anyone else. You are in control of you. Consider three steps you can take to correct your problems. There are three steps you can take to correct your problems. Number one, accept responsibility for your actions. Accept responsibility for your actions. I am responsible for my own actions. Say it with me. I am responsible for my own actions. Whatever problem that you're having in your life, educate yourself about it. I would say start with the Bible. That's a good place to start. Start with God and the Bible. Find the appropriate resources that you need. Here's some examples. You know what? If you have problems with money, the Bible is filled with verses about money. I would start by looking up every verse I could on money. And then, of course, people that have had money problems have wrote books They've already been where you're at, so it's a good idea to find resources to help you deal with that problem. And there's even courses you can take. You can take college courses to help you learn how to deal with money. You can even take, even churches offer courses for you to take where you can learn about how to handle money. And if you have an addiction problem, you know, there are plenty of Bible verses about that. There are plenty of things you can do. There are plenty of books you can have. There are plenty of counseling sessions you can go to. And by the way, you know, it's not a sin to get help for your problems. It's not a sin to seek help from someone else for your problems. Maybe there are people who actually get addicted to pain medicine. You know what? It's not a sin to find help for that problem. People get addicted to pornography and people get addicted to affairs. I mean, it's just this thrill of doing something and not being caught. People get addicted to alcohol and it's okay to seek help. For, the, for your problems. You know, it doesn't make you less of a Christian or less of a person. If you need to get help, get the help that you need. Take steps to correct your problems. Educate yourself about your problem. You know what? If you have an attitude problem, there are plenty of Bible verses about this. Listen to this in James chapter 3, in verse number 6. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell, the Bible says. So you can use the Bible to filter your words before you speak. The Bible teaches us this. You can memorize Bible verses about the words that you use. And before you speak, you can use the Word of God as a filter for what you're about to say. Isn't that a blessing? But there's educate yourself about your problem. There are plenty of opportunities for you to better yourself when you have a problem. And the first place to start is the Word of God. And amen. It's a great place to start. Number three, change your own behavior. Change your own behavior. 
Change the only thing you can change with God's help. That's you. You can change your spouse, but you can change you. You know what? You can control yourself. The Christian life is all about learning and changing, isn't it? In Romans chapter 8, in verse number 29, for whom he did foreknow, we know this first, for whom he did foreknow, he did predestinate to be what? Conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren, be conformed to the image of his son. It's God's will for us to grow and learn and become better. You know what? It's God's will for you to become a better husband. It's God's will for you to become a better wife. It's God's will for you to get over the problems that you have in your life. Number two, take ownership for your feelings. How to own your marriage. Number two, take ownership for your feelings. No one can take your joy away from you. Did you know that? No one can take it away from you. In Nehemiah chapter 8 and verse number 10, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. God gives a God designed marriage to make you holy, not happy. Sometimes we get it all mixed up, don't we? We think we're supposed to be happy. My wife is supposed to make me happy. No, your marriage is supposed to make you holy. God designed marriage to do that. You know, if you're not happy, don't blame it on your spouse. You know what? It, I'm not happy. So it's got to be my wife's fault, right? It's got to be. The reason I'm not happy is because she does not have my favorite meal ready for me every night. The reason I'm not happy is because she just don't let me just take it easy every night. You don't have the house exactly perfect every night. That's why I'm not happy or I'm not happy because my husband's not doing this for me. But you know what? You are in control of the joy that you have in your life. Joy and happiness should not originate from your spouse. It comes from your relationship with Christ. You are in control of how you feel. You have the choice to make. You can allow God to give you joy even when it seems like there's nothing to be joyful about. You make the choice. No one takes your joy from you. Listen to this. No one makes you mad. You ever use that phrase? I have made him mad. I made my wife mad or we might accuse someone else. You made me mad. You made me this way. No, you made yourself mad. You allowed yourself to be mad. You allowed yourself to lose your temper. Let me ask you this. Who is responsible for the way you feel? You are responsible for the way you feel. I did not make you lose your temper. Your wife did not force you to have the tantrum that I talked about last week. She did not force you to do that. Your husband did not force you to lose control of your words and to just go spastic on him. Who is responsible for the way you feel? You are. Second Peter chapter 1 and verse number 5. Listen to this. The Bible says this. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness you know what losing control of yourself is it's a sign of spiritual immaturity no one makes you mad you allow yourself to lose control but as we become more like christ we learn through the power of the spirit to have self-control that's what the word temperance means is to have self-control, and the Spirit of God can guide us into that. But no one makes you mad. You are in control of how you feel. Take ownership for the way you feel. You have to get the help that you need in your life. 
You know, I said you start with God. That's the best place to start to get help in your life is to start with God. Listen to this in Psalm chapter 121 in verse number two. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. God also gives us people to help. Thank God for godly friends who can help us. Thank God for Christian resources that we have that can help us. Thank God for pastors that we have that can help us. You know, God gives people special knowledge to help. Let me give you an example. I am formally trained for the ministry. But I, besides that, I love the Bible. And if you came up to me and you said, Brother Jason, I have suicidal thoughts. I would say, oh my goodness, let me try to help you. And I could give you Bible verses that could help. I could pray with you and I could pray for you. And I would definitely do that. But you, if you are making plans to take your life, I am not trained to do that. I'm not trained to help you overcome that. Now, the, the Lord can help you get through anything, and I believe the Bible can help you for anything. But if you're to a certain point, I am not equipped to help you with that. But there are people who are trained to help you with that. I mean, there are people, there are Christian counselors who can help you through things like that. They are trained to do that. Now, I could give you Bible verses, right? I can give you all the Bible verses in the world. I can give you Bible principles. You know, God loves you. God cares about you. You have a reason to live because of this. But if you're making plans to take your life, I can't help you with that. You need some more help than I'm able to give you. But you can take charge of your feelings and you can get the help that you need. Take ownership for the way you feel. How do you own your marriage? You take ownership for the way you feel. This is my fault. This is my problem that I have. This is my problem that I need to take the initiative and fix in my life. Number three, take ownership of your consequences. Take ownership of your consequences. Consider the law of sowing and reaping. In Galatians chapter six, in verse number seven, be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. So we find this Bible principle of a law that's here is a law of sowing and reaping. And it's just like the law of gravity. I mean, you reap what you sow. For example, if you gamble your money away... You don't have you won't have the money to buy food. I mean, God has just set life up where there is consequences. You make these decisions and you make these choices. And as a consequence of that, this is what happens. You know, there are consequences for your actions. You know, for another example, you were last week. I talked about my four year old who is going through the stage where she wants to have the temper tantrums. And I guess all kids go through this stage and she's just struggling so much with those temper tantrums. In fact, she had one yesterday. I mean, she just, uh, she just had a tantrum on me. She ran to her room and she ran away from her daddy. I mean, it was just awful. She had a tantrum. But I correct her as her father. I lovingly tell her that if she has a tantrum, then she gets a spanking. So see, she learns the law of sowing and reaping at a young age. So she learns if I have a tantrum, then my daddy is going to give me a spanking for having a tantrum. And so, Lord willing, 
Lord willing, her mind will learn the, the association that if I do this bad behavior, there will be consequences. But that's what life is. And when we're little, we should learn those things from our parents and learn that there are consequences. And there are consequences to every decision that we make in life. Don't enable your spouse by taking their consequences for them. You know, it's possible to interrupt the law of sowing and reaping. I think about the parents that I see in Walmart whose kids have tantrums and they give them what they want. One way to get a kid to not have a tantrum is just to let them have what they want. And I don't know, I guess eventually you run out of money, right? I mean, you can't buy the whole store. That's a way to give them a stop. You know what? If I just give them what they want, this is embarrassing. I'm in Walmart here. I'm going to give you this big stuffed animal that we can't afford to buy just because I don't want you to have a tantrum. But you know what? That law of consequences can be interrupted. And that child in that child's mind, they think, it's okay for me to have a tantrum. You know, I've seen the parents whose kids, when they get older, they make mistakes and they just want to keep bailing them out of jail. Have you ever met? I know some people like this. I mean, their kid gets in trouble, they break the law, and they go to jail, and the parents mortgage their house or whatever they have to do and bail their child out of jail multiple times. You know what's happening there? They are interrupting God's law, His intended law. This is the law of sowing and reaping. When you do wrong, this is what happens. You know what? This doesn't help anybody. This makes the behavior worse. This makes the person worse. You know, sometimes you just have to let there be consequences. Listen to this. To the overspending spouse, you're just going to have to get a part-time job to pay for your overspending. So there was bad action, right? There was overspending. So now the consequence is you're going to have to get, it's not my fault, I didn't do it, so you're going to have to get a part-time job to pay for your overspending. You see how now there are consequences in a loving way, in a kind way. Now, I'm not saying do that in in an ungodly way or a way of anger where you lose control. But sometimes you have to let there be consequences. You know, to the abusive spouse, you may have to say, if you don't learn to control your temper, I'm going to have to leave until you get help for your temper. I'm against divorce, aren't you? I hate divorce. God hates divorce. I hate it. I hate it what it does to people. But you know what? If your spouse is being abusive to you, is losing his temper all the time, you may have to say, hey, wait a minute. There's going to be consequences for your actions, right? If you don't get help, we may have to leave until you do get help. You must take responsibility for your actions and your consequences. Guess what? The actions that you have in your life, the things that you do, they have consequences. And you have to take responsibility. You have to own your own behavior and those consequences. Correct those habits and sins that are hurting your marriage. You know, your marriage could be this amazing thing if you could just learn how to own it. This is my marriage. This is my life. These are the boundaries. This is what I own. In conclusion, how to own your marriage. Number one, take ownership for your problems. Number two, Take ownership for the way you feel. And number three, take ownership of your consequences. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. Thank you for the wonderful privilege it is to be saved and to open up the Word of God and to learn principles of how to be better Christians and better servants for you. 
and have a better marriage and a better home. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to apply the principles of your word in our life. May we take ownership of ourselves, of our actions, and the consequences of our actions and have a better marriage, a marriage that makes us holy as a result of us following your word and your will. We ask these things in your name. Amen.